Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Well, a very frustrating and disappointing 24-20 loss for the Eagles at the Atlanta Falcons. I have the Hall of Famer Ray Didinger of WIP and NBC Sports Philadelphia to help me break it down. And Ray last week predicted that the Eagles would in fact lose to Atlanta 28-24. So I'm not sure if he's necessarily as surprised as other people were. But Ray, why do you think the Eagles lost last night in Atlanta? Uh, you know, Dave, I think it was just one of those games. Um, uh, I, I, the reason I picked Atlanta in this game was uh, not because I think Atlanta's a better team, because I don't, but sometimes it's not who you play, it's when you play them. And I just thought this was going to be a tough spot for the Eagles. The Falcons were coming off a really bad loss in their opener out, out in Minnesota. They were coming home. This was their first home game. It was a primetime game, and even at 0-1, they really kind of had their backs against the wall. Uh, they, I think they felt like they had to get their season back on track, and I knew I knew the Eagles were going to get the Falcons' best shot. So if the Falcons are still a competitive team, and I think they are, uh, I thought they were going to really come out and play this as if their whole season was at stake, and they kind of did. And so it was, a, it was an uphill fight, and it was compounded by the fact that the Eagles lost so many key players in, early in the game with injury. And that's, you know, that's kind of where it was. I mean, the Eagles fought back, and in the fourth quarter, I thought, really played well and were in position to win the game at the end. But you know, one big play to Julio Jones changes everything. Oh, it cer- certainly did, and the, the, starting with the injuries, Ray, have you ever seen something like that before where Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, and Dallas Goddard, despite not being on the injury report throughout the week, all of a sudden come down with these injuries that maybe could linger into future weeks, all of a sudden come down with these injuries before a game? Have you ever seen that before? No, I never saw anything quite like that, and and particularly the fact that all three injuries happen in a way that you still don't know what happened. You know, Goddard gets injured in pregame warm-ups, and then Deshaun Jackson and uh, Alshon Jeffrey both leave the game and are standing on the sidelines, and you're told they're not going to return, and you don't even see how they got injured. Uh, and you lose three really important offensive players that early in the game with injury, and then you're just scrambling the rest of the game to try and work guys in. Look, the Eagles have some depth. I mean, they've got good backups. I think J.J. Orsega-Whiteside is a really good young player. But he's a young player who, as a backup, doesn't get that many reps in practice during the week. So if you lose these veteran players who, in your game plan and all your preparation, were key guys, and all of a sudden, in the first quarter, they're gone, and you're plugging in Matt Collins and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, yeah, it totally changes everything on the offensive side. And it took the Eagles a while to figure it out offensively. Now, in the second half, they played much better, and in the fourth quarter, they played a lot better and were in position to win the game. But um, that was... Uh, that was a very unsettling way to start the game is the best way to say it, to look up at the, at the end of the first quarter and three of the key offensive players are all out for the night. You know, no doubt about it, but you know, at, at the same time, Ray, uh, Carson Wentz, he, he wasn't his sharpest. His accuracy was certainly off in the first half. He picked it up in the second half and was definitely keying them, rallying back into the game. Uh, what do you think Carson could have done better in the first half when the Eagles were going through that kind of feel-it-out period with these backups all of a sudden in the starters' roles? Uh, it, it was not accurate. I mean, he was 6-for-16. Uh, 
and was just missing missing some guys. Um, and even a couple of the throws that were caught uh, weren't particularly accurate throws. Guys were having to adjust and reach back for balls. So, it, I mean, it seemed accuracy-wise and timing-wise, uh, he was off his game. But again, he was working with a lot of receivers he hasn't worked with all that much during the week. So I think that affected him. Second half, it looked like they kind of settled in a little bit. The receivers got more comfortable. Wentz got a little, his timing with those guys got a little bit better. And all of a sudden, the offense started to click. The thing, the thing that I was most concerned about and I found most troubling about this game was that the offensive line didn't play very well at all, I didn't think. Uh, and against an opponent that is not a very good run defense. I mean, the Atlanta Falcons, a week ago, they got, they got run over by the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings beat them handily and, and only threw 10 passes the whole game. Um, it looked to me like a mismatch there on the offensive line. The Eagles' offensive line should have controlled Atlanta's defensive line. And if you lose receivers early in the game, my thinking is, given the way these two teams match up, okay, you've lost some receivers, but you can still come out and run the ball and still win this game. The fact that the offensive line didn't do a better job and that the Eagles weren't able to get anything going on the ground, I mean, 21 rushing attempts for 40-some-odd yards, uh, that to me was the most disturbing part of the game was when you on a night when you kind of really needed to fall back on your running game because of the injuries in your passing game and you're up against an opponent that's a notoriously poor run defense that you weren't able to win the game that way. I mean, to me, that's, you know, that to me is a bigger takeaway than the play of the quarterback. And and is, did anybody on the offensive line in particular stand out as having a particularly bad game? Because uh, you know Isaac Sayamalu had more than one penalty, so he obviously did not perform well. But was anybody else on the O line a culprit to why it just did did not perform as they usually do? Sayamalu, I mean he's the he's the one that uh, uh, stands out to me. But the the offensive line as a whole, I didn't think played very well. Um, now Atlanta. Uh, the coach, Dan Quinn, did some things with his front seven that were different. I think they surprised the Eagles and caught them off guard with some of the stuff they did. I mean, they, they did so a lot of movement up there. They're moving those guys around, and uh, he was making it hard for the Eagles to figure out exactly where they were. They were they were doing a lot of slanting. They were doing loops and stunts, and they, were, you know, they weren't stationary targets, and they can't afford to be because they're just not that big a defense. If they, if they just try and line up and play it straight up, uh, you're going to get run over. I mean, they have to be very active and 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 very motion oriented on their defense. And sometimes, if you, sometimes that can make a, an offensive line struggle to try and you, know, you can't block these guys if you can't find them. And I thought the Falcons were good at that. But over the course of a game, I think the Eagles. I was a little surprised they didn't do a better job. Figure, number one, figuring it out, and then secondly, blocking it. I'm I'm sure those guys on the offensive line on the flight home and probably today are sitting around thinking about. You know that they could have done more to get the Eagles through this game because I think that's true. Uh, Ray, switching over to the defense, they did pick off Matt Ryan three times, and one of those interceptions came courtesy of Ronald Darby. But at the same time, Darby is a guy who stands out to me as somebody who really struggled last night. The, the Fal- it felt like the Falcons kept picking on him, especially with those deep balls. How much of the concern is the secondary after really having two consecutive weeks of? The opposing wide receiver is getting downfield with ease. Yeah, that's a problem, uh, and uh, and Darby is a big part of that problem because he's you know he's a guy that uh, they they traded for uh, and brought in with the idea that he was going to be a front line cornerback on this team, and due to injury and just general inconsistency, he's never quite been that player that that they thought he was going to be, and that anybody that saw him play earlier in his career in Buffalo knows that he's capable of being. Um, 
I, I just wonder if he is if the Eagles system and the way they play their defensive backs is a, is a fit for him. I mean, he's he's much better, and he was much better in Buffalo when he's allowed to be a more aggressive player, if he's allowed to play up on the receivers and uh, and really challenge them at the line of scrimmage. Here, it seems as if in Jim Schwartz's defense, guys play off a little bit. And it seems like when he has to play with that kind of space and that kind of cushion, he's not as effective and he's certainly not as confident. And you know, this is two weeks in a row where he's gotten beaten pretty badly. I mean, the Redskins game he did, and then yesterday, it was it was obvious to me that uh, when the Falcons needed a big play in the passing game, they went right at him. So that's one of the things the Eagles have to work out here. I mean, they've got a lot of guys in the secondary. They've got a lot of options there. They just have to make sure they get the right guys on the field. And I'm not, I'm not saying bench Ron Darby, but after these last two weeks, I think you have to really uh, reassess the way you're utilizing them. You mentioned the Julio Jones 54-yard touchdown. That really was the one play that kind of just broke the back of the Eagles. What happened on that play, Ray? It was, well, number one, it was a good call. I, I, you know, People are, are loath to give credit to the other team, but sometimes you kind of have to. And this was one of those cases. I mean, it's, the, the game is right on the line there. I mean, it's a fourth down play. If, if the Eagles hold them there, the game's basically over. So Falcons knew that, and they, you know, they did. You know, this is, this is, the, Eagles have been, the Eagles and Falcons have kind of been in this situation now a lot over the last few years where it comes down to a key play that's going to decide the game. And the Falcons do what teams usually do is let's go with the rest player. And they've gone to Julio Jones a couple times, and it didn't work out. Well, this time they decided to try a different kind of play, which is a bubble screen, uh, and they get it out to him, and it's, it's executed just perfectly. I mean, it's just, you know, Jones makes the catch, and then he gets a great block. Jake Matthews comes across, wipes out Avante Maddox, and then Julio just, you know, kicks it into gear and runs away from everybody. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, a line of scrimmage pass turns into a 54-yard touchdown. But I, um, I look at that as more a matter of a really good call and really good execution on the part of the Falcons. Staying in succession of what happened, Ray, the Nelson Aguilar drop. You think that's a touchdown if he catches it? Uh, it it kind of looked like it, but you never know. Um, I mean, that was, a, that was a big play, and a lot of people uh, kind of just lay the whole defeat in, in Nelson Aguilar's lap, which I think is unfair. Um, I mean, because he comes back later in that series and makes a huge yeah. fourth down catch on a 40-yard ball. It's not an easy ball to catch. It's in traffic, and it's over his head, and he's got to come pull that down and keep the drive alive. Um, so, you know, I, I think a lot of people are blaming this game on Aguilar, and I, look, that was, a, you know, that was a drop, and I know he's got to live with that, and uh, and that's not good. But um, I, I think it seems to me, I feel a little bad, I think he's getting a lot of blame here, because he made some big plays other times in the game, and after your other receivers went out, he had to shoulder a big part of the load. And I thought on on the whole, I thought he played well. on that one, But that one play, unfortunately, is the one play people are going to remember. And another play people are going to remember is the Eagles' last offensive play. It's the it's the uh, fourth down, which Zach Ertz is just short inside Atlanta ter- territory in the final seconds. What could Ertz have done differently to maybe get across the first down marker? Well, um, he could have. Uh, it's 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 a route that where the, the receiver and Ertz does this very well. Is is you you go past the sticks and then you come back to the ball. You kind of go past where you need to be where the yardage is, and but. You go back, you, you drive the receiver off, you drive the defender off, and then you turn and you come back to the football to give yourself the best angle to make the catch. That's the way the play is meant to be run, and that was the way Ertz ran it. The only thing was he, he was a little shallow on the turn. 
Uh, he, he goes up, he gets to the sticks, turns, and comes back to the ball. But when he comes back to the ball, he's now coming up short of where the first down could have been. So, um, yeah, I mean, he could, he should have taken the route a couple yards deeper and then come back to the ball, and he probably would have been okay. But as it turns out, he just comes up inches short. And I saw I saw his interview in the locker room after the game, and he was in tears yeah. about it. I mean, he was, he, I mean, he was really broken up about it because in his mind, he felt like he cost the team the game, which he didn't. I mean, this game... I mean, it could it could it was it could have it could have been won in a million different ways, but it kind of it was lost that particular way. But it was not about any one player or any one play. It was just a night when you know I, I, the Eagles were walking into a tough spot against a good team that felt like it had to win, and give the Eagles credit for fighting back in the fourth quarter. But in the end, they just came up a little short. And one more for you, Ray. I take it you know based on your thoughts about how you thought they were going to lose and it's a tough spot to be in. I, I take it you don't view this as a bad loss, as others may view it as a bad loss. No, I don't. Um, I I was on with Angelo Cataldi earlier this morning, and he said, you know, is this the most heartbreaking loss that you, you can remember? I said, not really. I mean, it's a loss. It's week two of the season. I I don't think it changes anything in terms of of the bigger picture of where where how good I think this Eagles team is and where I think they can ultimately go this season. Now, I'm concerned about the injuries. I kind of want to find out later today you know, how many of these guys they're going to get back and when they're going to get them back and what kind of shape they're going to be in next Sunday against Detroit. But to me, a heartbreaking loss is the loss in New Orleans last year that ends your season. You know, when you've got a chance that the ball goes through Alshon Jeffrey's hands and all of a sudden the game's over, that's heartbreaking. But this one, it's week two. You got a lot of, you, there's a lot of football left to be played, and the Eagles still have a good team. The the issue at one and one is is not so much where you are in the standings. It's about how many guys are going to be standing come Sunday. Well, in terms of the in terms of being injured, that's if the Eagles can get these guys back and none of these injuries are long term injuries. Uh, I think I think they'll be fine. Well, that is definitely something to look out for this week, Ray. Uh, thank you very much for the time as always. Look forward to previewing Eagles Lions Friday morning. I look forward to it as well, David. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.